Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Caught Offside. With Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside from just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? The rare Saturday pod. Yeah, so rare. In fact, I'm not sure if it's ever happened. Except, Actually, no, it has. When we did definitely two years ago, uh, remember we did our final day live pod um, yeah yeah it definitely happened that was a set no, no no that, no, that's that, a that, sunday that that's was a, a sunday. sunday yeah it happened it definitely happened we've had a saturday pod during the world cup i think oh, we true. may have reacted to um to uh denmark versus croatia in the 2018 world cup that was certainly a saturday yeah no Man, you're right those... world Cup international stuff throws all the, the conventional rules of when to record out the window so you're right you're right about that but i feel uh, like because there's games happening now and we're in the middle of it i feel like this is Sky Sports iconic Saturday, soccer Saturday without any icons on it though, so it's just me and you yeah. because this is the way they'd be sat around a desk talking about the games to come, talking about games that have just happened. But there's no Charlie Nicholas, there's no Matt Letizia, thank God. Yeah, there, there's also makes much more sense in that it is live and happening in front of a live audience. Uh, ours, right. these game by the time people are listening to this, these games have happened. Um, but so nevertheless. Hey, listen, it, but it's this it's this time of year. Like, we would never countenance a regular pod on a Saturday outside a tournament play. Yeah. Nobody's commuting. Nobody's doing anything. But it is Christmas. It is the holiday season. And it's, it's those dead days between Christmas and New Year. And people go for walks. People want to get away from their families. And what better place to run away from your loved ones who have just got on your nerves. You're beginning to question your relationships. Run to us. Yeah. Come to our bosom. No, this is this is definitely, I would say, the only time of year where conventional recording rules all go out the window because Absolutely. people are just as likely to want to listen to a podcast flying home from wh- wherever they've been the last week or so or tr- or driving back as they would be in their commute. So uh, it's why I, I have no issue recording a Saturday podcast. People also forget what day of the week it is during this time of year. So Absolutely. people might think, oh, the Wednesday pod is out. Cool. Like, they don't know. No one knows what's going I woke on. Up, I woke up up until 10 minutes ago. I was ready to go. And it's our New Year's Eve special. Uh, no, it's not <laughs> yeah. New Year's Eve. Oh, God. Um, what a fun one this will be, though. Obviously, so much soccer has happened over the course of the last week. We're, we're going to do things a little bit differently today. Rather than kind of giving like a blow-by-blow, game-by-game sort of thing, there's too much to consume. So we, we've just kind of gathered our festive period observations where we just sort of have our our big takeaways 
of what's gone on and, and what it all means um, or, or from games and things that have happened over the course of the past week. So that'll be a lot of fun. I love doing pods uh, like this. I have City and Sheffield United on in front of me. They're walking out of the tunnels now getting ready for that one. So um, You're Jeff Stelling. You can be Jeff Stelling. He was um, City uh, walking out of the tunnel right now. Um, we're going to go live to that one later. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I've Except- been playing. I, I've I've recently discovered that my PS3, which I'd kind of forgotten about, I thought it was broken, but it actually still works. It was just like Ooh. something I needed to adjust. So I've I've gone back and I'm playing FIFA 2016 again. Uh, and so I don't know if this, if he's still a part of the EAFC or FIFA uh, family, but Andy McAnally is the guy in that game. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. There's Fantastic. been a goal at Anfield. Yeah. Red I mean, card I mean, so- at White Hart so- Lane. Soccer yeah. Saturday was so good, though. Like, because you have the blackout. So, you know. You're, so, you're reliant on it. You are reliant on it. Yeah. And, um, I mean, is it ideal to have Paul Merson narrating everything to you? No, it's not. Is he the most reliable narrator of what he's just seen? Probably not. But it gives you something. Um, I used to love uh, listening to the radio, the radio commentary of the three o'clock games. Um, uh, there's been a goal at Ewood Park uh, and then they'll go to Ewood Park and, and they'll describe the goal. Yeah. Absolutely magnificent. We were we were it's... born in the wrong era. We would have loved oh. the 1930s, I think. The roaring 20s, we would have been thriving. Well, I, I just think, you know, now the, 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 the big conversation that uh, I've just left um, Ireland um, and it's probably more so in, in the United Kingdom, but is really Amazon changing game times because of their streaming and because of where they want to pick up audiences and how difficult that's made it for the modern fan. Yes, it's it, like a lot of fans who are sit-at-home fans who are going to watch it on TV, great. But like an 8 o'clock kickoff, that's no good for the modern, for, for the traveling fan. That's a disaster. Imagine you're in Newcastle, you're going, I don't know, Southampton, well, obviously not Southampton, but Bournemouth and you know it's eight o'clock during the Christmas you're not getting back until the like three well, you, four in the morning well you you get a hotel room you stay overnight you make a oh, you make oh, a yeah, night oh, yeah. oh, all right okay well that, oh, that yeah, is yeah. that's what you do I mean that that's is what a, you I mean, have to do that that is your only option Andrew but that yeah. that's to suggest that we're not in a cost of living crisis and you're that right. people can just go get hotels on the south coast yeah you're, you're right people have to decide whether or not that's that's worth it so to let, do that Let's name this podcast Not Soccer Saturday. There's your title. There you go. Uh, let's see. Before we get into some of the uh, the festive period observations and all that, uh, a few things that I want to get out there for everyone um, that we want to make it known. First off, get out the vote. Go and vote. JJ, we have been named a finalist for the Sports Podcast Group's Best Football Podcast Award. Amazing um, honor. Yeah. And this one, um, we had to, you know, there was a panel of judges that kind of compiled lists of podcasts from all different realms of, of sports and they considered us in the uh in the soccer in the or football category and the judges went through material and things like that and, and we were shortlisted as finalists so and when you look at the ones we're up against it is Come it on. is heavy hitters of sports of football podcasting so if you are a fan of this show and you can think of no other way to to give or give back to this show that you have loved for all these years in some way, I would say all you have to do is vote. The voting process is a little bit more, a little bit different than some others. You you do have to fill out like a really quick kind of questionnaire, but it's, and, and kind of register, but it's really short. Um, 
and uh, it, it should only take a minute. And so we'd appreciate your vote tremendously. Um, I, that, that's posted. Honest. That's posted where I know I've tweeted it. I think it's on the the caught offside account. We'll make it. We'll try to make it as easy to find as possible on social media. But it's the sports podcast group. If you're looking it up yourselves. Yeah, I'm going to put it out again. Look, first of all, great. I, I don't want to sound like the Oscars, but superb to be nominated. And especially like we don't do the numbers or have the cachet of Gary Neville, who has two podcasts, Stick to Football yeah. and the Gary Neville podcast nominated. Yeah. I mean, they do monster figures. Every time a stick to football drops, it's at 500,000, half a million within 24 hours. So yeah. it for us to even be in there or for people to think, hey, those guys, their their work being nominated is fantastic. We are, and, and you're an Oscar lover, we are the El, El Postino, uh, the postman from 1994. Like amongst all the nominees, the big hitters, you know, your, your De Niro's, Scorsese, uh, um, Michael Mann, all those guys in there, and uh, here we are. It's just some. We're a small art house film from Italy. Yeah. So there That's you go. So uh, sports pod, sports podcast awards, sports pod group. You can find it. I think under either of those things. But then, yeah, just look for best football podcast, and then find us and vote. Um, two other things quickly. Um, JJ, next week, probably our first or second show after the new year, we want to do a special. Uh, New Year mailbag pod. It's basically 24 questions for 2024. That's simple as that. If you've got questions or comments or things that you want to talk about heading into this year of soccer, uh, whether it's the Premier League, the Champions League, U.S. Men's National Team, MLS, whatever, nothing off limits. um, Start getting your questions in now, whether that's through social media, whether that's through caughtoffsidepod at gmail.com. There's all kinds of different ways. The Reddit page, I would love if the animals got a, a, a list going of some questions and we'll pick 24 for 2024 and that we'll go through those. So that one is that's going to be one of those pods that's kind of on you guys and we will follow where it is that you want to take us. And then last but not least, uh, we're just about into 2024 and we've told you all along that that is when the caught offside store will be fully functional and operational and up and running. Uh, so a couple days from now, um, will be a full go. And if you weren't able to get one of your, one of the first edition caught offside t-shirts when they went on sale briefly about a couple weeks ago or so, um, they will be fully on sale and ready to be purchased uh, about two days from now. So, and if you have bought one, if you were one of the people who were able to get in for that initial uh, pre-sale, then uh, there's a lot of different color options. So get another one. There's no limit to the spending no. that can occur at the caught offside store. And I am concerned about a, a heavy and harsh and potentially long winter for our friends in the in the Midwest, um, in in the central the central corridor of this country. Our friends in the north. So uh, watch out as well as we as we look to design some something for your head, something oh, warm ooh, for I your love, head. Oh, I you love know? that. I so love that. so, but more details. At, at JJ Devani is the best place to go and, and and follow me there on Twitter, and I'll I'll give you all you need to know about that. Uh, shall we get into it? We, we shall. We shall. So, so I, I've we've compiled a bunch of observations from over the last, eh, I don't know, week, but really it kind of extends beyond that. We're going to roll through them now. Um, and I say this literally as City and Sheffield United are just kicking off. But my first observation that I have here, JJ, is that Liverpool and Arsenal, they've left the door open for City. They've left it open. Um, and it's not necessarily that they've been bad no. over this time. They just, 
when you're dealing with a monster like what Manchester City are, and we've grown so accustomed to seeing these second half surges from them, this is not the first time where City have looked a little bit awkward in the first few months of a season. Not to this extent, I would say, at least not recently. This has been more than I think some of their wobbliness that we've seen in, in some past years in the first few months. This has definitely been more than that. But like when you're dealing with this beast, you've got to you've got to kill them off. And so, you know, I, I'm looking at how if you take it from the start of November through to where we are now. So if you look, let's look at those three teams, Manchester City, three wins, four draws and defeat. So they've collected 13 points out of a possible 24. And again, they're playing Sheffield United as we speak. So there's a good chance that's going to be up to 27 points. Liverpool, five wins and four draws. Um, so they've collected 19 points out of 27 and Arsenal in that time, five wins, one draw, three losses, 16 points out of 27. So really the takeaways from that JJ. So city have had this game at hand because they were in the FIFA club world cup, even with their, their quote unquote epic struggles during that time. If they win that game at hand, which you could say, I guess is happening now. Um, they'll have from November to end of December, They'll have accrued the same number of same number of points as what Arsenal had. Arsenal will have gained no real ground on them in that time when City were supposed to have been so shaky. You know, and Liverpool have a five point lead on City as we speak, and like this is where those draws against an out of form Man United kick in, and like relegation candidates Luton Town, where draws like that against those teams are so crushing. Like, how would we feel right now if Liverpool's five point gap was actually a nine point gap? You know those draws are kill- those draws are losses for them. Um, I'm sorry, that's how you that's how you have to look at it. I know that they get a point, but when you're dealing with trying to kill off Manchester City, not kill them off, but at least keep them at bay, and a nine point gap would would feel that way. A draw against Luton, and we can talk about Luton. They just had an unbelievable performance against Chelsea in a losing effort, yep. and they've done that now to a lot of teams. Um, but like that for Liverpool, that is a loss. We can't look at those as draws anymore. That's a loss for them. So City, they're they're in the fight. They're absolutely in the fight. And ultimately, my verdict on it would be, I believe we'll have a competitive title race. I believe it might even it might even involve all three, like we've said, which would be amazing to have a three-way title race. But if you're asking me today who I'd pick to win this thing, I'm still going Manchester City. And and, and I think the metrics agree. I saw this at the BBC. According to Opta, mm. um, they write, according to Opta, um, despite them currently sitting fourth. Manchester Manchester City are favorites to win the title at 55.3% and Liverpool are next at just 26.7% and then Arsenal um at 15.4 Villa just a 2.2% chance. So City not not only do they have them favorites, they've got them significant favorites. And I feel like if Liverpool and Arsenal had done things just a little bit differently, uh it it wouldn't feel quite that way. It would feel more perilous for City and I I don't think it feels really all that perilous at all almost right now. Yeah. Um, I, I know what you mean. I would like to say a couple of weeks ago when when you were kind of, I won't say egging me on, but trying to suggest to me that this is going to be a down year for City and they won't win the title. I did not want to do that, especially not before Christmas. And you know I didn't. Yeah. Because I know. You know what they're, we, we, we do know what they're like, but I I think, no, that's the part of that is me hating to hold myself to prediction in football because we know what it's like. Um. I would just say, if you're if you're going to say you know predictions and and you're going to say the stats are 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 heavily in favor of City, I read this on Football Three Six Five yesterday. Arsenal top a particular Premier League table that has been led by the Premier League champions in every season since Man City won their first title against the odds in eleven twelve. 
Arsenal have picked up the most points from games in which they have scored first, proving they have the resilience and control to win games if they score the first goal. Now, for contrast, Tottenham have scored the first goal on oh. more occasions. Oh, God. But as we've seen, they often lack the resilience to hang on. So Arsenal are performing well in a metric um, that, that winners that... actually perform well in. Absolutely. But if they're also doing things that are that are hugely concerning. So let's talk about who's left the door open. I never closed the door on Man City, but let's let's go down that road. I think Liverpool to be top at this point and go back to the as far as the Fulham game and not be a hundred percent impressive, have some players misfiring or not a not a hundred percent on on form. Like lately, the the star of the early part of Liverpool's season, like Sobishlai, has fallen off a little bit. Um Liverpool have been far from perfect, but they're top. And it's my belief a flawed team will win the Premier League. Mm-hmm. It's not 18-19 where you have these two bastions of perfection in City and Liverpool going head, head to head. It's not as as the online Twitter people call it, City Pool. It's not that anymore. Um, this Someone flawed will win this title, be it City or Liverpool. Um, but but just for... That's that's Liverpool. But Arsenal, like watching the, the, the game against West Ham, I mean, they're a defensive mess for the Suchek goal. Um, whether the ball was in or out, well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't more, matter, really. It's funny that that's affected them specifically <laughs> in huge moments twice this season. Yeah, twice in a pretty um, short span. But but we we saw against Luton and we saw again against uh, Everton, or excuse me, West Ham with the uh, Mavropanis header. You know, defending set pieces, big problem. And... You watch the highlights of that game. It's not like they peppered the Arsenal goal with amazing chances. They had two really good ones. The Saka missed chance that hit the post and the Jesus header. So you've got two things happening here. Not very good defending set pieces or defending in their own box. Not very good at their end. That's what Arteta said. Those two ends, parts of the park we weren't good in. Jesus Christ. I mean, you've got to be good in them. <laughs> and that was a serious, serious uh, a blow uh, delivered by by David Moyes, who he got his win against, his first win against the traditional big six. And I mean, I don't know, I mean, how many years? Uh, away at the big, one of the big, the traditional big six. So so that was huge for him. Um, and, and again, West Ham, very efficient in that game. But but that's that's really worrying stuff for Arsenal. Like, I'm not just talking about leaving the door open for City. I mean, for sustaining a title challenge, not being um, incisive, they have to score more, oh, I, do, and I know Andrew. that's I know that's a, such a simplistic way of putting it, but they, they like they're they're still pleasing to watch. They yes. have nice build up play, but the end product is holding them back against West Ham. You've probably seen the stat by now. I know it was going viral. Seventy seven touches in the opposition box without scoring. Are you kidding? It's the most for a team that hasn't. It's the most touches in the opposition box for a team that didn't score since oh eight oh nine. Like they're seventh in goals scored this season. That's just, for a team that's going to win a title or push to win a title, I just feel like that's not enough. There's going to be too they're... many draws, one ones or or one nils yeah. where they lose. Like, like if you look at the strikers for teams around them, Holland, Salah, you know, even uh, Watkins and Son, I'd put in there. Like, I'm sure I'll take abuse for saying this, but I bet, like, those guys would probably be first team players. All I mean, especially Holland and Salah, but like, those guys would be first teamers at Arsenal. Like, Gabriel Jesus... He's good. I like Gabriel Jesus, but he himself has said in the past that he doesn't see himself as a ruthless goal scorer. Like that's not always what he's wanted even his role to be. Um, and I feel like Arsenal, they're just kind of lacking that. And, you know, we'll we'll see 
if they do something to try and rectify it um, in January taught, specifically. But we we taught um, coming off the the big win they had in Europe. Remember there was a, there was a couple of games back to back where they scored a ton of goals, and we thought, oh, well, maybe they've clicked now, maybe they've opened it up. But often when I watch them, a lot of a lot of their incisive play and their link up play in the final third is Odegaard doing it himself. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> Odegaard's brilliant dribble rollover and then slides Ben White in who clips it to the far post for Jesus. I mean that that's all all Odegaard. It's a good run by Ben White, but it's still Odegaard central to it. And um I, I still have concerns for them about that. And those two ends of the field you you have to be good in both. Yeah. Um again I, I this this is not me trying to say uh well I told you so but I did feel in the summer wasn't going to be enough up front. They needed someone else. We we did the early thing where um we read out uh Talked about uh, Ken Early's article about Inketia. Uh That's that's coming that's coming to pass big style here. They they don't have enough, or they, it feels like they don't have enough. And yet, and yet, right in the mix, in it, that's what certainly. I'm saying. Someone flawed, someone deeply flawed as a team is going to win is going to win the league this year. Yeah. By the way, I know we said that we weren't going to like do specific game breakdowns, but I did want to just mention that. Because Arsenal Liverpool was one of the biggest games of the season. I think it, I, I don't know the exact record, but I think it broke some kind of like U.S. Premier League viewing uh, record um, on was it Peacock or NBC? I forget where it aired, but yeah, I mean that was that was a huge marquee game of the season. Odegaard thought it was a handball. I don't know. Oh come on! I thought it was oh, a handball. I, 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 <laughs> There's it, it's one of those where oh you know I can I can see arguments. Stop. Yes, he slips. He is not. It is not in the spirit of that rule. That is not a plant hand to keep him yeah. up. He bats the ball with his hand. It's a stonewaller every time. But I have no complaints because when when the red arrows went chasing through, like what was it, five v one on Declan Rice and Trent Alexander <laughs> Alexander Arnold. Now the ball does pop up. It definitely pops up and he it hits the side of his ankle. Mm-hmm. If he scuffs that, that goes in. That's a massive chance. A massive chance. And if Darwin Nunes missed that, I would be apoplectic. Mm-hmm. So I must apply the same. Liverpool left that game behind them. That was a great point for Arsenal in the end. Uh, let's see. Should we move on to the next? Uh, you have more on that or want to move to the next no, observation? No, no, no. I, I, like, I like the rhythm. Let's keep it going, man. Yeah. Uh, my next one, we'll kind of stay in the North London theme, JJ. And uh, my next observation from this period is that Tot- Tottenham season is teetering. It is teetering on the brink right now. Um most recently against Brighton, look, they I give them credit. They they did fight with a team that's that's not even close to what their first team is supposed to be, and a group of guys that are probably tired. Um, but like down four nil in the eighty fourth minute is just not acceptable. It's just not, and they they got two late goals to make it interesting. Almost got a third, um, but they're never winning. Like they're just never going to win that game when you're down four goals in that point. Like it can't happen. And, and Son again came out and said that just not this is not who we are. We've got to get better than this. Even the game before that against Everton, they won and that's good. But like they nearly threw away a two goal lead. We talked, but you just talked before about Arsenal. They win because they hold on to the leads they get. Tottenham are the complete and total opposite of that. I mean, they were they're up two nil. Andre Gomez scores in his return, and then millimeters from a, a ball in like the ninety six minute going across the line off the crossbar. I mean, millimeters is is what salvaged that one. Like it's teetering. It just is right now. And like you look at their first team, what the defense in midfield is supposed to be when when all is right. What are we looking at? Poro, Van de Ven, Romero, Udagi, yeah. with Madison, Basuma, and Bentoncourt, probably in the midfield. Now you got Romero. They just announced, like, he went off against Everton. He thought, oh, it didn't seem like much. But five weeks gone. 
Like that's that's just how it is now. Their midfield it currently features none of the preferred three, whether that's through injury or red card. They're rotating in Eric Dyer and Emerson Royal in and out of center back to try to get through mm-hmm. this alongside Ben Davies, who's not even really like supposed to be a rotational guy. Like it's just and you know, it's not the frustrating thing about it with them and with these guys in defense is like, I don't know that I can necessarily point to a specific moment and say, this is why he's not good enough. Like, I think they've done okay, actually. But the problem is one of the things that I feel like I'm I'm learning with Angeball because of where they put their fullbacks positionally. I mean, those guys are basically attack. They're, they're almost strikers. Like they'll move yeah. a doggy into like a central striker role when they're in attack because of that. So much pressure is put on the center backs to not just be like he's an okay replacement level guy. They they have to be excellent. Like you can't play this system without excellent center backs. And these guys are doing the best they can, but that's just not they're not that. Vandeven was. Romero, when he's not out of his mind, can be that. They can get by with those guys at that position. But this trying to play this way with these guys, uh, it's just kind of killing them. And then you see how much not having James Madison. Oh my God. I mean we all knew what the, the season he was having, but like the type of chances that they were getting when he was there, you're seeing now, like those chances are just not developing because the are vision you... that, that he brings to an attacking midfield role, other guys just don't have that. He's one of the best in the league for a reason. Now you got Sun who's leaving for the Asian Cup. Um, you know, we knew Basuma after his red card suspension is off for the Africa Cup of Nations. I mean, it's it's just unfortunate because it feels like Tottenham are not one of those teams that are going to win a title in in one in this Manchester City era where you need 90 to 95 points. Like Tottenham aren't going to be able to do that. But like you just said, a flawed team is going to win one this year. And like when Tottenham hired Conte to be their manager, it was probably envisioning a season like this where City are in kind of maybe an off-cycle year and a flawed team is going to win and Conte is a proven winner and you think, okay, well, this is what it's... It's for a year like this. That exploded spectacularly and now they find themselves in a transition year loaded with as basically as many injuries almost as Newcastle, who we'll talk about. And it's unfortunately in a season that looked like it could have been an extended... I don't know if they were ever going to win a title this year, but it could have been a, fu- a really fun season in that way and it's... It looks like it's it's going to be hard to keep up this pace, and I don't know when it's all said and done if they'll be able to qualify even for a Champions League place. We'll see if the Premier League gets that fifth spot. Maybe they'll they've got a shot with that, but it's going to be hard for them. And I think that this this last week plus has has really crystallized that for me. Just just one question um, for you as a supporter: Are you are you kind of sick of you know having to accept that? Well, that's just the way we play, mate that kind of argument like do you want more tactical flexibility do you want to be able to in period sit in and and be and be more robust because i'm kind of bored with newcastle and tottenham on one angle in the sense that everyone's just pointing to to injuries well everyone has injuries and i know they've got them way worse than most but this is where management comes in be a little bit different be a little bit tricky are you i suppose are you bored of the excuse or the kind of uh, halo around Ange of well, that's just the way we play, mate. I think it would be wrong for me to be overly critical of it because Tottenham are playing a long game here, and for me to have gotten bored of that in the first few months of him trying to impose a system while dealing with this level of injuries, I think that would be that would be a little bit unfair. Now, having said that, traditionally, 
I am somebody that is not okay with like you and I have even joked about it with coach old man when Jim Beheim was Syracuse's head coach. Like we're going to play the two, three zone that, and that's it. And I don't care how many threes the yeah. opposing team hits. And that drove me up an effing wall. Bananas. You have yeah. to be able to adjust to some, t- if you're, if the, uh, if a two, three zone is yielding tons of threes and the other team is draining all of them, maybe do something to change. Maybe try to go man and get out. On, like, so JJ, during the MLS postseason, we talked about um with Houston, right? Or with the we were talking about Ben Olsen and how like he said he got there, wanted to play a certain way, understood that that maybe wasn't gonna work, changed the way of doing it, and now what? They won a trophy and nearly won another one. Like yeah. so I do think that at a certain point, there is if you want to actually have sustained success, if you're not willing to adjust, then you will die out. Teams will find you out and you and it won't succeed. I understand him not wanting to bend to that yet because he has to impose his system before he can start to adjust. But it's unfortunate because I mean, I do think in certain games, like against Chelsea, you know, when they're playing with nine men, they got a high line at midfield, just giving up fast break after fast break. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to watch and it's tough to hear that. But I can't. It's still December. I feel like it would be wrong to already be like, you got to change things up like. He, that's they're playing a long game here and he's got to instill this in them before he can do those things. So I'm not, I'm not there yet, but it's frustrating because in, in another time with another manager in a season like this with weird flawed teams, who knows what we'd be saying about them right now. Before we uh, move off this, cause I, I know we're not going game for game, but like Totten, obviously Tottenham getting conceding four against Brighton is the story. I, I would like to talk a little bit about Brighton. Uh-huh. Uh, first off, uh, Hinchelwood's goal, the opener, just yeah. such a clean strike. 18 years of age, Andrew, whether they are clever in the transfer market or whether in the case of Evan Ferguson and, and guys like Hinchelwood, they they bring them along through the ranks at, at young ages and pick them up. Fantastic work. I never thought a midfield of Billy Gilmore, Pascal Gross and James Milner. Mm, unbelievable. Would be as good as it is. And I thought Milner had a fine game. Um, and, and so... So often like a utility man, but it's nice when Dejerby doesn't put him in a position where he's going to get absolutely exposed by some tricky youngster who's, who's going to yeah, put him in midfield. Don't make him, don't leave space in behind him at fullback and, and, and have him chasing. Also, Milner, um, just he is the Premier League veterans veteran now. It, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I saw, there was some stack going around Twitter. I, I just flicked at it, so I, I have to put it together. But when he made his debut, he was playing against players who weren't who like were were who had been professionals in eight, like in eighty six before he was born. You know they were playing their careers before he was born, and he just he connects two completely separate eras. It's unbelievable. Absolutely, he does. <laughs> he completely does the mid nineteen eighties, and he's yeah. playing in the year of our Lord twenty twenty three. Unbelievable. Um, Joe Pedro again, two penalties. Uh, for a guy who has definitely, it's it's been forgotten, but has definitely one of the misses of the season. He's playing extremely well. He's probably the Premier League's best penalty taker. I think that's 10 from 10 in English football now uh, for Joe Pedro. And and Deserby already saying, I don't know how I'm going to keep him. Amazing, <laughs> yeah, really. Um, and and a word for uh, Buena Norte, who I thought was was really, really good in this game too as well. So, um, yeah, credit Brighton. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Especially in a time where it seemed like there was a little, like I saw NBC 
on their pregame show did a whole thing about Brighton about like, have they taken a step back this year? Like there were some questions being asked for where they were in the table. Did we expect more from them? And I mean, they answered that pretty resoundingly. They, they were, they were truly dominant in that game. One other note. So now Tottenham on Sunday have Bournemouth and I have to mention this team. I know we talked about them a couple weeks ago, but they still continue to just win and win and win. They are the informed team now for the last month and a half in the Premier League. On November 4th, they got demolished by City. They lost 6-1. And we just kind of forgot about them at that point. Eh, Bournemouth, they're, they're just going to recede into nothingness. They'll, maybe they'll get relegated. We'll, 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 we'll revisit them later in the year as we get closer to relegation. Since that day, they have not lost. And it's and it's pretty much all wins. Six wins and a draw. 19 points from a possible 21 since that loss. They're the informed team in the Premier League. No one's been better. Dominic Solanke, JJ, 12 goals in the league this season, eight in his last seven games. And you start to wonder. A championship striker for many people. Well, and many people would be wrong because he's 26 now. And some guys, it might just, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't click for everyone at 21. You know, some guys might just need a few more years. They might need a better situation. You know, he goes to Liverpool and unfortunately he's kind of there at a time when like clop ball is is rising. And there's just, there's just guys ahead of him that he's never going to pass. And like it, he has to go somewhere else and it takes time at some of these lower, you know, some, a club like Bournemouth, it might take time to click at a place like that, where you're not surrounded by that same level of, of talent as you would be at a top six club. So it's clicked for him. And now Bournemouth, they're going to, you know, we talk about Arsenal, like teams that are in need of, of like a ruthless goal scorer. I mean, how, how would they, be, would he be it for them? Like if they well, wanted you, to look at, at someone like that? Um, I don't think they'd do, hmm, would they do that? I, I don't think they would. I think they'd look at the broader sample size of Solanke in the Premier League and, and, and you know, I, I, I think they would they would not. I don't think he's he's what they'd be looking for necessarily. And also, we often talk about players who've just found their fit, their groove at a club and don't move them on. They're right in that niche spot. The system works for them. Don't move them on. A bigger club might be too much for them. Um, just also, um, Anthony Iraola. We thought it was a great capture as a manager for Bournemouth, although I will always say any Premier League team, we should expect them with the money that's going around to be able to get these guys. But nevertheless, to go to Bournemouth, still a big move. How many people would have been saying, ah, no, this isn't working out. Just not happening. With the stars that they had? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, it was awful. Yeah, It was like, but again, because the way the Premier League is, patience is at such a premium. Um, and um, it just goes to show you it's 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 bearing fruit for them right now yeah. um, because they are absolutely flying. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the next observation, JJ. And this one, uh, I had to get in some kind of mention of this. Um, the U.S. have a true gem in Anthony Robinson, and it feels oh. like the Premier League is beginning to take notice. So just watching this guy, and again, another 26-year-old, and he's been good for a few years now. I mean, he was nearly signed by AC Milan, if not for um, a, a cardiac issue that came up in his in his medical. He was he was off to them to to play there for them. So, but so far this season, he's Fulham's highest rated player according to FootMob. Uh, WhoScored.com uh, noted that Robinson has won possession of the defensive third more times this season than anyone else in the Premier League. And a couple weeks ago, um, Graham Ruthven of the Guardian did a feature on him. 
And, and he, he mentioned it. He said, Muhammad Salah knows how well Robinson is currently playing. Callum Hudson-Odoi and Jared Bowen, too. They've all come up against the American for a resurgent Fulham team recently and struggled to make an impact. Robinson, nicknamed Jedi from childhood, stopped them. The force is strong with him at this moment in time. In that Liverpool match, JJ, against Salah, um, Robinson had 13 interceptions in that game alone. Most of anyone in a Premier League match since the start of the 9-10 season. And like that's the thing for him. That's become interesting for me. Like we've seen it for the U.S. men, but we always wondered, you know, I feel like he's filled out his game in a way that has made him now a more complete fullback Um, because defensively he's now showing those kind of chops where he can kind of contain a Mo Salah intercept 13 times in a game, stuff like that. But even an attack, like he's become one of Fulham's focal points in their attack. And it's not just like Anthony running a straight line really fast. He's he's become like a very effective crosser of the ball. Um, I saw Ruthven noted in his in his feature on him. He's in the seventieth percentile of players who play his position in touches per ninety. Like he's he's seeing a ton of the ball in the build up play of their attack. Uh, so you know we'll see if I think he just recently signed a new contract with Fulham. We'll see if they'll be able to keep him. But I saw Liverpool was interested potentially with their issues right now with injuries. I don't know that I would advise Robinson to do that. Um, but nevertheless, I think other teams are are starting to see this and, uh, I'm so happy for the guy. Cause I feel like we've known this for quite some time, how special a player he can be. Like I've said for the U S like, I don't know that I'll always say Christian Pulisic is the U S's best player, but in terms of like most irreplaceable, if Pulisic goes down and isn't able to play or, you know, the U S front line can still be effective with some combination of Reina, Balogun, uh, Wea, Aronson, Pepe, like they still have a lot of guys who are, who we believe in. If Anthony Robinson goes down, <laughs> uh, now what do we do? You know, the, the yeah, drop off and, and, and performance from him to the next guy is greater than anybody else on the U.S. men national team. And he, and and um, you know, the manager has made such a team in the U.S. that is fullback dependent. And so, you know, the, the whole way it functions is huge. So, yeah, he's very important. So, like, I saw him against Liverpool in that game. I, that was the game I paid most of attention to because I was like, look at the positions he's taken up. Look at where he's popping up. I mean, he was deadly in that game, both ends of the field. But um, I went to our friend Jack Collins because uh, from the Fulhamish podcast because I wanted, you know, here's someone who watches him week in, week out. You know, any player can have an outlier, one great game, and it doesn't necessarily be... It's not indicative of how they play across the season. So I, I, I got, I, I said to Jack, just give, give me your thoughts on him. Um, Jack said there's still good and bad bits to his game, including a little bit of a question of his delivery, especially when he has time to think about it. But there's no doubt Jedi has become an absolutely integral part of Silva's Fulham side. He was always adept at the defensive elements of the game, but Silva switched to a slightly more transitional style this season, is squeezing even more juice out of Robinson's ability to carry the ball forward. That's certainly what we've been seeing. His overlaps for Willian in particular are Fulham's go-to attacking pattern with the Brazilian's nature to slow things down and cut inside, opening up plenty of space for the US man uh, to motor into. Still improving year on year, Robinson has become one of the most consistently impressive players in this Fulham team. And I don't think he's reached his ceiling yet. Mm. Now, when you're hearing that, that is... I like that. I, yeah, that's exactly what you want to hear. So, yeah, no, dead right. He 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 deserves props. As much as we tend to over-egg players that play for the U.S. men's national team, we also, when they have 
when they make any mistake whatsoever, we're convinced, oh, we're so down on ourselves. We have so, we're so insecure. Uh, just not good enough. Okay, that's it. Move on. But, I mean, consistency is the hallmark of, of a top quality player, and he's certainly hitting that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Next one, JJ. This one, this one is dark, but I can't help it. Newcastle have fallen apart. Yeah. What, what has this season become for them? They're ninth in the Premier League. They've fallen out of the Champions League and Europe yeah. altogether, not even in the Europa League. Um, like things were going okay. They had beaten Arsenal, they beat Chelsea, they beat United, and then, and then like it stopped. That's it. From December 7th to now, one win and four losses. And two of those losses are to Luton and Forest. And they were shut out in both games. Their other two yeah. losses in that time were Everton and Spurs. They lost by a combined score of seven to one. Like reality hit them hard and quickly. And you know, we say all the time that that old cliche that progress is not always linear and that's fine but i'm sure this i don't know that the saudis thought that it would be quite like this and now we start to find out if they can stomach it this sort of kind of blip in whatever newcastle whatever they thought newcastle were going to be under them yeah i i you know again another side we can point to the injuries sure i i i definitely think having to play more or less the same 11 so regularly it's it's tough, and then you have you've lost your your starting goalkeeper. You've, I mean, to a, and you've had to replace him with a guy who really you've been trying to get out the club for a while. In 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 some different guys, he's back in. You have a centre back, essentially slid into a a full back position in Dan Byrne. That's you don't want that. You really don't, especially if he's coming up against pace. The way they were picked off by Nottingham Forest in transition, that was the big thing. I mean, Forest didn't do anything particularly clever, but the minute Ilanga broke, it was like, oh, Chris Wood, hat trick. Oh. And for two of the goals, he's 1v1 and he goes round the keeper. He goes round Dubravka. That's, that, well, one of them he clips over and the other one he goes round him. That's, that's a bad sign. And then you have probably your biggest signing in terms of a name. England international coming from a Champions League team where he did extremely well in Kieran Trippier. And he has just this absolute meltdown, total and utter meltdown over the past three or four games. And, and you know, they can't afford this. You have, you've also a, a front three of Gordon, Isaac and Almiron. And Almiron has been kind of, he's been okay uh, Gordon has fallen off. Gordon had a great start, definitely did, yeah. but certainly has reverted to the mean a little bit. And, and all, I, where... I do believe they're all exhausted, especially a guy like like the few I... guys who have been healthy the whole season are just wiped. I think that's I think that's part of it. Um, and you look at the bench, and it's it's slim enough pickings. Um, yeah, and Eddie Howe's probably going to pay with his job. Oof, they have... well, I don't know that yet. I think he still has support there. I... I mean, see, you think pro- he's the support? Yeah, but we can't. We can't. Well, we're going to find out. Not- we don't. We don't know what they're. We don't have a track record yet to go off of with this ownership group. Now, I think Amanda Stavely loves Eddie Howe, so we'll see how how strong her voice resonates. Mm. Um, but you know, in terms of of the Saudi ownership group, we don't know yet. My guess is, I, I I'd be surprised if he paid with his job. I think I, I I don't see that yet. That's not. That wasn't really something on my mind, but. Yeah, we don't really know. The thing that I wonder, like, I think he can live off of the injury excuse. 
and, and get through I think this. So. I, I do. I do. Because I don't know that it's an excuse. I think it's kind of a reason. But like, right. But the thing that we don't really know is, is this happening because they're decimated by injuries? Or like we, we wondered a little bit last year, JJ, like we thought, okay, we know Newcastle are going to get better with this ownership and with the money that's being pumped into the club. But we definitely looked at them last year and thought this feels ahead of schedule. Yes. And, and I do wonder if that's the thing is like, we can't tell now, well, is, are they struggling because of the injuries or are they struggling because this is just a simple reversion to the mean? And so like, you know, I, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say. And, you know, the problem too, for them is like, we haven't really been able to tell if some of their mic marquee signings are, are going to boost them or not. Like Sandra Tonali. That's huge. That like, yeah. like if you look in the Premier League, the contributions of some of their most important players from a matches played perspective this season. You know, they've played 19 games. I think Newcastle have. Tonali's had he's made eight appearances. You know, Sven Botman, eight appearances. Harvey Barnes, who was supposed to be a, a, a huge addition for them, cost a good amount of money. Six appearances. Joe Willick, three. You know, Callum Wilson has been kind of in and out. He's only started seven games, made seven other appearances off the bench. So like. And, you know, the thing that I worry about with them is, okay, so you're owned by a country now. So you will do as the others do. You will act like PSG, you will act like Manchester City. I don't think they can do that. I don't think they can just go nuts and spend their way out of this as much as their ownership might have the ability to. I was reading this at The Athletic. Uh, They write about Newcastle. This is just from yesterday. They said Newcastle may have the wealth of PIF behind them, but the Premier League's FFP uh, regulations or profit and sustainability rules continue to limit their spending. Everton's 10-point deduction for breaching profit and sustainability rules has only reinforced Newcastle's desire to stay inside their own quota. Mm. Uh, Amanda Staveley admitted that FFP considerations have guided much of Newcastle's business to date and will continue to do so following the circa 400 million pound post takeover outlay on the squad so far. Um, you know, they sold, it goes on to say, Alan St. Maximum was sold to Saudi club Al Ahli during the summer to offset the subsequent expenditure on Harvey Barnes and Tino Livermento after Tonali's 55 million pound arrival pushed Newcastle close to their PSR limits. Lewis Hall came in on loan with an obligation to buy in August, given the lack of wiggle room. So like for the time being, like if it does feel like even though these owners could spend as much as they wanted to without, you know, personal repercussion, like I, I think that they, I think the stuff with Everton, I think that they're taking this stuff seriously. And I don't think they can just go crazy here and just outspend any mistakes or issues. I think, I think this squad kind of is who it is and they're going to have to rely on guys just getting healthy again. There's been a goal at Villa Park. Oh. Who for? <laughs> Sorry, had to do that. Yeah. Um, I agree. Are you going to tell yeah, us? What's that? Is that it? Are you going to say who? No, I know. Uh, don't make me do the sports pulp. Uh, oh. uh, you know, we're not allowed to do play by play and then proceed to do 15 minutes of play by play. Well, we have had a goal at uh, at the Etihad. No, you got to say it I with more said drama. It a while ago. Do it with more drama. There's go been on. a goal at the Etihad. Rodri in the 14th minute, 1 0 Manchester City. Yeah. I kind of like that. I, I prefer if you're pretending to throw to someone and then pretend to be someone. <laughs> there's I'm been sorry. a goal. At, well, let's see. There's been a goal at the city of Manchester Stadium. But who for? John Champion. And then John Champion would tell you. John Champion? He does that? No, he doesn't. But I okay. couldn't think of a name. It's been uh, a long time. Since Alan McAnally. So. He's my go-to. <laughs> there's um, been a goal. Alan McAnally. And then, it's, you know what's brilliant about it? 
some of uh, the 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 people they throw to really struggle to describe the goal, and it's almost more fun to see. Why? Because they're like, like flustered in excitement. Yeah, he came in on the left. No, the, it was the right. The ball was not free. It was bounced back. Yeah, it's it can be hard to. There was the famous incident where they threw to Chris Camara and he missed the goal. There's been a goal at, at Portman Road, but for who, Chris Camara? And he comes on laughing and he because Camara's just got this great personality. He just goes, "I don't know, Jeff." Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, yeah. Anyway, City are up 1-0. No. That, that is a real update. Rodri did score in the 14th. Um, let's see. I've, I've got one one more observation here, JJ. Okay. Um, and it's and it's West Ham, and it's the fact that they're wrapping up one of the most unforgettable years, I think, in the club's history. Like, I know they finished 14th last season, but I'm sorry. That's, that's offset by the joy of them having won a trophy in Europe in the style yes. that they did. And now, and now, even with Declan Rice having left for Arsenal, they're still sixth in the table and into the knockout stages of the Europa league. They won, they won five games in the group stage of the Europa league. Like they are not in over their head by any means. And yet we, st- and do we still have to sit here and talk about discontent about Moyes? Like I, they've beaten this month alone. They've beaten Arsenal United and Spurs. Like, are, are they finally okay with this guy? They, I hope they are. I saw Jacob Steinberg wrote, um, a couple days ago in the Guardian, West Ham are set to end doubts over David Moyes' future by rewarding the manager with a new two and a half year deal. Oh, oh, Andrew. So I'll put it to you this way: it's one of the best you know, years. Twenty twenty three is one of the best years in that club. Are they really still not okay with him? You know, my in laws are are big West Ham people. Uh, so I texted my brother in law when I was back in Ireland. No, he actually texted me straight after the the two nil. Uh, against Arsenal, which meant Liverpool stayed top. And he goes, you're welcome. Come on, you irons. Hammers, 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 hammers. And I re- I respond, what a win. And then in capitals, Moyes in. This is his response to that. Oh, no. I'm eating my words again, but he has to be. There is a begrudging acceptance of this. They, there is a sense that for all they've done and all the things you've outlined, winning in Europe, my God, my God in heaven, beating these teams, being up to sixth, there is this there is this sense that a lot of the football that they play, they play within themselves and it's not fun or enjoyable. Well, how's it and working that's, for them? And that's a rump. There's a rump of players. Declan Rice that, is, it was a generational talent for that club. He leaves and they're sixth in the Premier League. But <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I know what you're saying. I really do know what you're saying. Um, but just go online. Uh, two and a half years will annoy some people. Um, but football is football, these are football these are the people fo- who think Salah is frustrating at Liverpool. Like I don't know how to deal with these people. Uh, yeah, he's never fully won everybody over. And the the thing about Moyes is his knack of a big win when needed most. They took the thumping. They had some really bad results last month or at the start of this month. And they got big wins when they needed them. It was a big win. What was the result they were coming off when they beat Tottenham, Andrew? They were coming off a bad oh, defeat. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. It, it actually doesn't matter. They're coming off a bad defeat, a fairly heavy defeat. They beat Tottenham. They, they're they coming off a huge criticism for, for the team they put out uh, against Liverpool. And then they go and beat Arsenal. That's his ability to get the big result. Uh, or they go and beat, they beat United maybe after that one. Anyway, there, his ability to get a big result when he needs it, when there are question marks, is is really, really quite something. So, 
I'm I'm only I'm in touch with a certain rump of uh, West Ham support, and I don't think they'll ever be fully won over on this manager. It's interesting. I mean, look how good Jared Bowen has been. Oh, uh, uh, Klopp. Klopp needs to, like, Klopp is verging on, uh, what is it, the the old phrase, tapping up. I mean, Klopp speaks so glowing of him on the regular. I mean, is there is he she's surely infringing some rules? <laughs> no, nah, he's, he's been great. I don't know. It's This year for them has just been a dream, it feels like, in many ways. Um, and good for Moyes. Uh, good for th- David. He's, he's probably, you're right, he probably has saved his job, like, five different times with like must win games that he's been on the right side of. Um, yeah. And I mean, th- th- there's a skill in that he, he, he is a manager who plays a certain way. Um, just to, and I should probably add this for a bit more context. My, my uh, brother-in-law, he says to me, the, but the problem with Moyes and West Ham fans is like, he goes to Liverpool and he's just accepted. They're getting beaten. Now I still don't think that the wins that he's had since uh, putting a weakened side out against Liverpool in, in the League Cup justifies doing what he did. But it does to David Moyes. And so the cycle continues and continues. I still think they should have been trying to to target. They would have had Fulham in the next round if they, if they could have gotten over Liverpool. Sure. And, and it opened up for them. So so that is the, the inherent conservatism and negativity and lack of belief chips away at West Ham fans. Moyes will build you up only to take you down in terms of... look at Look at the teams we've just... We've just played. He'll still be uber cautious, and 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 the supporters don't like that. Here's the thing, though, like Moyes could look at this and say, "Hey, guess what, everybody? I was right." Because I, I mean, they 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 did that against Liverpool, where he rotated the whole squad because he needed him fresh. And since then, they've beaten United two nil, and they've beaten Arsenal two nil. So he could say, like, now that, it comes, it comes down to not, whether or not the fans believe, okay, that's fine, but I, I'm happy to finish 11th in the Premier League if it means we win a cup uh, and you go all guns blazing for that. It makes you wonder if they hadn't fallen away so dramatically in the league last season, like completely away from where they were the previous season, where they were pushing for, at one point, a Champions League spot. Mm-hmm. You wonder, would they have won in Europe last season? Would he have allowed it to happen? Like if they say they were pushing, see this, pushing see now, now we're falling into the trap. It's it's the Moyes cycle. It's the <laughs> Moyes cycle. Absolutely. There's um before we get out uh, yeah. to the break, Andrew, um to pay our bills, uh, Aston Villa. I want to talk a bit about Villa. Villa still, you know, right in the middle there, having a great season. Uh, where are they in the league now, Andrew? They're third, um, third and thirty nine points, three points off the top. Like as we sit here. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did have a big collapse at Old Trafford, leading 2-0 at halftime. Um, what a game, which, by the way. What a, a game that was. Fantastic game. Really good game. Um, so just just a few comments on them. I, I thought Villa, like I loved, you know, the free kick wasn't very, very good. Uh, McGinn's that just skips in. I mean, it's a great free kick, but it's not very good defending. I mean, yeah. Baran, Onana, someone's got to do something. It's tough someone's for Onana, gotta, those... I know because he's expecting his center halves to to make a play to deal with it. Um, I loved Dendonker's goal, his little flick at the back post. I still don't know how is was it a Zaniolo or who, not Zaniolo? Who was it? Um, oh, Leggett, the um, at the back post. I don't understand how no one's picking him up and he can just just nod ahead or back into the danger zone there. And you you really felt there was booze at halftime. You really felt United are sunk. That second half. It was a combination of um, 
the will and intensity. Garnacho is going to be a cult hero at that club. I'm saying it right now. I don't know what Hoyland will be. He'll need better service. I, th- I think Hoyland will score goals for United, but he's going to need better, much better service. Um, but I know Garnacho is going to be a cult hero there. He's going to be one of those players who just gives everything for the club and the fans respond to that. He ran his socks off. Absolutely ran his socks off. It deserved his goal. Um, man of the match. He was still running right to the end and, and, and Ten Hag didn't, didn't take him off. Just, just outstanding for a young player and a player that's, you know, been thrown in a difficult spot there, starting regularly for a team that's been god-awful. Um, Hoyland, his finish was excellent on his goal and what a relief for him to score. Oh because man, despite... you saw it all over. He was basically crying on the field. But didn't I tell you? I told you in the predictions. His, you're a £60 million striker going to Manchester United, centre forward for Man United. There isn't a tougher spot in football right now. Yeah. And he, and he he wore that pressure on his on his furrowed brow. Um, and the other thing uh, was how Aston Villa played into this and which makes me realise that, you know, as much as some people would have liked to have touted them as title contenders, how they may not be. I cannot believe how naive uh, Emery was. 2-0 up. Why are you playing that high line? United were. United brought in aggression in the second half. They had turnovers. Villa couldn't keep the ball. So if you're going to lose the ball and your your back four, back three, whatever it was, is that high up the field? What are you doing? Is this another one of these, these, this is the way we play? I mean, we said when Tottenham played Villa, we said they're going to high line each other to death. They're both going to be in the opposition's parking lots. Emery, I, I I give Emery more credit than that. I, I genuinely thought this is the guy that goes, hey, we're 2-0 up here. We've got a busy schedule. Uh, we don't, we can hit them in transition. We know they're not good breaking down a low block. We know that. We know they're not crafty enough. Why are we? I just, I, I will not understand it. But um, Man United fans will be out there and they'll be, they'll be just willing me to give credit. And I will give credit. United's aggression in the second half, uh, ball winning, turnovers, in fact, United have some really good stats. I know Keys Van Hemmen online was put, was talking about United's turnovers in certain areas of the field, like lead the league. So there's certain things that are going right for them. I, I think the thing that's ultimately going wrong for them is that most of their players aren't good enough. But um, that's enough on United. You know, well, great I, I just wanted to say one other thing on them. They are In that game specifically, um, it's fascinating to see what they are versus what they aren't, depending on the form that Marcus Rashford is in. I, I like the, yeah. more, the more I watch them, the more I feel like they, they, they go as he goes is sort of how I'm starting to feel about it. I thought he was so good at points in that game. Yeah, so dangerous. And like, and sure enough, like, like he changes the whole dynamic of what they are in attack completely. If he's, if he's in the mood. Uh, I, th- I think so. But the, the question, if he's in the mood is, is uh, yeah, that, that will be the worry. Um, but, I, but I do think there's certain kind of, um, balance having Rashford on the left and Garnacho down the right. Yeah, that did give that did give the attack something. Um, and you can see how starved of service Hoyland's been. Like you know, I don't. We still we're so many months into the season. We still don't know what Hoyland is because he hasn't had the ball enough. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Surely it will be the dramatic win that spurs them on. That is not something that has been said 19 different times this season. Oh, Christ. Well, listen, we're going to find out. They've got, they're have got they away at Forest today, which is a complete trap game for them. Um, <laughs> okay, oh, total. Sorry. Because you'd expect Nuno's going to sit in a little bit. Um, not a little bit, sit in a lot. 
you you you're the expert in this area um and 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 you wonder what what united are going to do about that and and what Alanga, Gibbs White, what they can bring on the break. And uh, obviously the best striker in the Premier League right now, which is uh, Chris Wood. So, so, um, so yeah, fascinated for that one. And, and just, again, it's not saying United didn't play well. Who suggest that Villa were very, very helpful in that United playing well with the, with the defensive line that they had? Well, I, I couldn't believe my eyes watching it. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. What's going on? JJ, there's there's been a goal at Villa Park. We go now to Alan McAnally. Goal for Villa! Musa Diaby in the 42nd minute. 2-1, Aston Villa. Wow. There we go. 2-1 to Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, Leon Bailey scored the first, by the way. Oh, yeah, he did. But Burnley did. hanging in. Burnley hanging in. 2-1. Are we breaking Premier League rules by broadcasting this? I, I guess not. It's, not. it's not live. Know. It's not live. We're okay. Yeah. We're all right. We couldn't okay. do this live, I'm pretty sure. Um, and yeah, that's, that's it. Uh, that's it. We can go to break now, Andrew. And oh, oh I just like to, I'd like to tease something. Okay. I have a, a St. Stephen's day, a boxing day story. Um, it, an absolute horror show for me. Oh, I survived God. it, but, but it could have been potentially one of the low points in my life. And I, and I think, I think Darcy would have left me. Oh my, okay, this is. I think my daughter would find out about it years from now and disown me, and I think you would have ended the podcast. And you're going to tell us now what that is? Okay, well, yeah, you, you have me. I need to know. Let's go to break. We'll be back with JJ's horror story and still a bunch more here on Caught Offside. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, back now on Caught Offside. JJ, before the break, you left us with a, uh, a what was it, a St. Stephen's Day horror story? Yeah, St. Stephen's Day horror story. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it speaks to my glutton, my own gluttony and the decadence of the Christmas period. Um, so here we go. Um, I'm staying at a, a, an Airbnb farmhouse um, not too far from where my parents are staying in, in, uh, in, in a cottage, about maybe two and a half mile walk. So, you know, you're just grazing over Christmas. All you're doing is just picking, eating all the time. And I hate it because I worry about my weight. I worry about like trying to stay fit, all that stuff. So I need to get exercise in. So I say, I'm going to drink. So it's back to back on Premier League sports. We start off with Liverpool, Burnley, and then United, Aston Villa straight after. So this is great. Me and my father time. This is stuff that when I'm away, you know, stuff I miss and it's tradition and I can't wait. So I get six cans of Guinness in a bag and I walk two and a half miles. Wow. It's, lo- it's lovely. 
It's 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 quiet. It's not. It's the you know the the weather is okay. Now that's about to change, but I get there. I sit in with my dad, and we watch Liverpool. We which we don't get to do together, obviously, because I'm here in the states, and 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 then we watch uh, Aston Villa, Man United, and it's they're they're two decent. The first game's decent. The second game's cracking. So we have a lot of fun. But in that period, Andrew, my mom takes out like these individual individually wrapped. Uh, chocolate sweets, Cadbury's roses, they're called. They're amazing, like dairy milk chocolate. And you might have a nut in the middle or some kind of orange, you know, flavoring or just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I proceed to have 20 of those, okay, along with five cans of Guinness. Nice, uh, my mom six. then decides that's that's nice. So you allowed your dad one so you could have the other five. That's lovely. <laughs> no, my dad wasn't drinking Guinness. My dad was, uh, I think my dad was just on the tea, he wasn't, he wasn't boozing. Um, and, uh, and and then my mom decides, oh, you, you're going to need some dinner. And mixed into this, she makes this like mashed potatoes and salmon. So I imagine I eat all this stuff. Like I'm gorging. I'm an embarrassment to myself. I, I'm a disgrace. And then I'm like, I'm walking home. And my mom goes, no, 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 we'll run you home. We'll run you home. I'm like, no, 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 no. I have to walk. I need to walk. Like this will be great exercise. I'm not getting any exercise. So she says, fine, but look at the weather. And I go outside and it's absolutely howling. The wind, it's raining sideways. It's like, oh, I'm like, don't worry. Off I set walking. So I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm halfway through and our, our farmhouse is under a little hill. Like this is the wilds of hmm. the West of Ireland. There's, there's not much out there. And I kind of enjoy walks like that. I'm, I'm in my head. I'm on my own. I have my own thoughts. And halfway through, I feel this cramp. Oh, geez. A cramp in my stomach. And I'm like, ooh, that's uh, something is heading south towards oh, towards oh. my bum. Oh, here we oh go. God. So I, I'm walking and the, the cramps get, you know, when you get them really bad. Sure. I'm like, I need a bathroom and I'm still a mile from home. And it is raining like the roads flooding. It's it, the wind is howling. All I can see is the trees. The, the the pine trees, the fir trees, they're kind of swaying. I'm in the middle of a storm and I'm like, I'm not going to make it. I'm just not going to make it. I have to go. And I can't just boot myself. I can't do it. But I have no butt wiping instruments. I have nothing. And I I, I just like, I'm cramping, but I, I have very, very good butt muscles and sphincter control. So I'm squeezing really hard while still trying to walk. How do you creating know? Creating an awful... <laughs> creating an awful cramp, like the worst cramp I could ever think of uh, or you could ever imagine. And you see a field and I'm like, am I going to go into the field and just let go? (laughs) I can't make it home. And I thought, no, I must not do that. That would be just, I I couldn't survive that. Just defecate everywhere. And and I I don't even know if I'll be able to perform a, a, substa- a you know a, a substantial cleanup operation. I could come home a mess. This is a disaster. So I just squeeze as tight as I can, and I break into what can only be described as the most inhibited run that anyone has ever Ugh. done. While wow. the wind and the rain is lashing, and I'm tripping through puddles. It's like it's like a scene from Platoon, but with poop. And um, I finally get in, and and I and there's no spillages. There's no there's no the the dam didn't burst. Shall we? Thank say. God. I literally burst past Darcy. Like can't talk, can't talk. 
I'm soaking wet. I'm just at in bits and I get to the, the toilet and it's like Harry from Dumb and Dumber. Oh, you made that kind when, of squealing noise? When he takes the laxative. No, in duration. Oh. I just, oh my God. Sorry for this disgusting story, but I had to share. It was. I don't think going and, in and the field down... would have been so disastrous. Um, I think you could have done that. Yeah, you, you, you have to have the cleanup tools. Well, um, in a situation like that, I think you bid farewell to your underpants. <laughs> they become the tool. And then it gets you by enough to get home. And then you whatever additional cleanup needs to happen when you get home, you take care of it. No, no. Oh, God. Yeah. But it's down to my gluttony and my, just my disgusting uh, slobberiness. Awful, awful. I think you flatter yourself by saying you have strong sphincter control and butt muscles. I've, I've you know, what is it compared to what? You don't know how good mine is. It's not like, it's not like a bicep where we can each flex our muscles to see who's got big. You got no I, way of knowing. Take a sphincter contest with you any day. How do we, we'll do? How we'll how do we organize this? Of Guinness. We'll get six cans of Guinness. We'll drink them. Then we'll have a curry. And then we'll drink uh, uh, cherry, like some kind of like uh, Powerade or some kind of uh, cherry syrup, something that will get things going. And I swear to God, I'll hang on longer than you. Well, I hope the sports podcast group award judges are listening to this episode. I I really do. Uh, I brought the tone down. Come on, let's get to something that's not butt related. yeah, Yeah, fair enough. Um, I only have a couple news and notes to close out on here, JJ. Nothing, I guess, nothing too huge. Well, I guess this is huge, actually. Carlo Ancelotti can, he can cancel those plane tickets to Brazil. I mean, for me, it was, it was almost like a four, like it was over. It was like a foregone conclusion. Yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna be Brazil's manager now. But no, I guess not. He signed a new contract with Real Madrid. He's not going anywhere. So, I guess this is. I, I guess the the losers here. There's a there's a loser and a winner that I see with this, and neither one is necessarily Real Madrid. I guess the loser is Brazil because now they're kind of entering into a Copa America year where they don't really have a a clear picture of who their manager is going to be. Um, maybe they have the talent to overcome that, but they haven't. I mean, they haven't won a World Cup in, in a long time, so I don't think you can just kind of take that for granted. Um, so I guess Brazil would be a loser for me in this. And the winner here, I wonder if it's Bayer Leverkusen, who I had just assumed would be losing uh, Xabi Alonso to go become Real Madrid's manager. And now if that position is not vacant, I think that they'll continue to grow with him there. And who knows what what heights they could reach with another year, two, three years, who knows how many more years with him as their manager. So that's, that's, a good point. that's kind of the way I, I see it. it that way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we'll see. Okay. Yeah, um, I, I thought it, I thought it was nailed on, absolutely nailed on for Brazil, but uh, apparently not. Yeah, uh, let's see a couple couple quick MLS notes too that I wanted to mention. Nico Ladero, um, who I don't know if you know, people thought his time with Seattle meant that his time his time with Seattle ending meant that his time in MLS is ending, but that is appears to not be the case. As I saw Tom Bogert tweeting just yesterday that he is now uh, seemingly off to Orlando City. At uh, what is he now? 34, 34 years of age, I believe. Yeah. So, I guess he doesn't want to call time yet. No. Um. And look, I mean, he's still coming off. He's coming off a, an okay season. Mm. Uh, you know, his goals were way down 
but his assists were still kind of in the ballpark. I don't know necessarily what it is Orlando City are hoping to be getting out of this. Is this impact sub? Yeah. Like, is that if that's it, then I guess it's fine. Sure. Why not? Um, you know, a guy who kind of knows how to win that can maybe get them over the top to a, a place that they haven't quite been able to break through in that way yet. Maybe they think they've got a pretty good squad um, and that they just need sort of like somebody with that winning mentality who who knows how to kind of push them to the next to the next mile marker. Um, I don't know if that's what they're getting. Oh, yeah, I guess it's fine if they think they're getting Ladero from a few years ago uh, in his prime, like his late 20s Ladero when he was incredible. Um I don't know. Not not happening. Not you're probably not getting that. Um, but certainly found that one interesting. And then uh, as I also found interesting, JJ, speaking of MLS, former Tottenham captain and World Cup winner, Hugo Lloris. If you've forgotten about him, he's just kind of been sitting dormant on Tottenham's bench. Uh, mm-hmm. but now he's gonna be sitting between the pipes at LAFC. I don't love this. Okay. I mean, I love it for him. I think it's great for him. Um I don't think LAFC have a, have a need. I I, I think it, it he's going to be is is he going to be a DP? But he's going to have some kind of a max contract. Um, I think it's a waste of money. Hmm. Um. I mean, I mean, cachet aside, World Cup winning goalkeeper aside, what's he bringing? Yeah, I, mean, I have sort of a hot and cold relationship with him. I guess as a goalkeeper, I've seen him do things that are extraordinary. Um, you know, he's made some huge penalty saves and big moments. Aguero in the Champions League quarterfinals uh, in the home leg, uh, Obama Yang against Arsenal. He's had some really great moments, but I've also seen him. I mean, he can be he can be as as great as he can be is as maddening as he can be. Um, and he's getting into the later years of his career. So I don't know. I don't know what version of him LAFC are going to be getting. Um, so, yeah, I mean. We'll see. I mean, you say they didn't have a need. I guess they could have, like, Maxime Crapo is out of contract now, who had been their starting keeper. So, yeah, comes back from injury, has a great season last season. What's, yeah, you're, I mean, I guess they could have brought him back um, and re signed him. Obviously, that is not going to be happening now. Uh, And he'll, he'll be off somewhere else. Maybe they knew he was, I don't know. I I don't know. Um, But, yeah, I mean, technically they did have a vacancy at that position, so you could say that they, they did have a need. Um, but yeah, so Hugo Lloris, how about that? We'll see him now close up in MLS. Um, JJ, I don't have I don't have too much else here on this uh this soccer Saturday. No, no, that's just, that's that's uh that's us. Um I watched the old firm derby this morning as a little palate cleanser from all the Premier League. Okay. Great game. Yeah, Celtic win two one. I think that's the league wrapped up. Um <laughs> No, I, I think it is a brilliant goal from uh, Bernardo, brilliant goal from Kyogo, and a great free kick from James Tavernier, which kind of set it up for a grandstand finish. But Rangers were unable to equalize. So um, 2-1, Brendan Rodgers having a, a weird season. Like Celtic fans not delighted about the way the team is playing, but still going to win the league. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of moise um, there. Lot, a lot of moise. Um, a lot of missing Ange. Kind of, yeah, kind of vibes, yeah, and also realizing that it's just a ceiling on their ambitions right now, and and has been for for some time. 
Yeah. Uh, also, before we get out, I should mention too early this morning, uh, Chelsea defeated Luton Town 3-2 in, in a game that I thought was over and then suddenly wasn't mm-hmm. as Luton scored two late goals to really make it interesting. They had some really good chances in this game. Cole Palmer looks like such a great player. Oh, man. Um, I have a feeling I am going to grow to hate that guy over the next many, many years. It feels like he has a lot of big goals in him and a lot of smug faces to be made afterwards. I uh, I look forward to to that. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, you don't love his face. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know how to explain that. It just, I, I know, I can already tell that I'm going to hate that guy. Sometimes right. you can just tell. Yeah, I can see it. Um, so I, I, but he's he's a great player. He's spectacular. I mean, what a start to his career he's off to. Um, he bet on oh, himself. Yeah, of course, uh, the best thing that Chelsea can do right now is sell their other young player who's been doing really well, Connor Gallagher. So get rid of him. Well, yeah, Tottenham mm-hmm. appear to be highly interested in in acquiring Connor Gallagher, which would be interesting on a couple fronts. One, I mean, Chelsea, I guess they have to do these things. They've got to be selling a, a guys who came up in their academy because they have to. They got to dig themselves out of this financial hole that they're in. And avoid yes. any kind of you know Everton esque punishment down the road. So if you're an academy player at Chelsea who's worth anything, I'd be I'd be a little worried about where my future lies. Um, and he may be a casualty of that. Now he might be able to stay in London, as it looks like Tottenham are interested. We'll see where that goes. Chelsea and Tottenham, you don't don't see those two dealing all that often with one another. That's interesting. No, no, it is it is pretty interesting. And uh, yeah, he he does he does seem like a guy who could uh, could fit Ange's style of play. For some reason, I, I haven't even really thought about that, but those words are coming out of my mouth. I could see him hearing around the field for Ange Postacoglu. It'll be interesting. I don't know what their midfield will be. What the, I wonder if, if hearing that, it makes me wonder, can, have they reached a point already with Basuma where they just feel they can't trust him? That whatever good they get out of him, he, he's, he, I mean, he's already got two reds this season and his form dipped somewhat significantly from where it was in that first month. Um, they might just think, I don't know that we can trust this guy. And so maybe a midfield of Bentoncourt, Gallagher, Madison is is more of what they're thinking um, with Pop Sar and Basuma, you know, good yeah. rotational options. I don't know. We'll yes. see. Super, super attacking midfield. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Should be fun. Uh, I, I am looking forward to the rest of the day and weekend of consuming a lot of soccer action as we take in the new year, JJ. And just a reminder to everybody, like we said at the start of the show, get your shirt orders in and get your... Uh, questions and comments for the year 2024. Get those in as well. Premier League, U.S. men, U.S. women in an Olympic year. Uh, nothing is off limits. We want to hear from you guys on everything. And we'll get to 24 questions for 2024 uh, coming up on uh, one of our first, either our first or second pod of the new year. We're still kind of hashing out the, the schedule for next week. JJ, that's all I got, my friend. Hey, have a happy new year to you, I say. Check you later, from Oh, I re- <laughs> oh my God in heaven. Ah. Check you later, fun boy. I'll see ya. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 